This is my village experience. I'm your host, Mesa Saul. Welcome. Back in the My Glitch experience, uh, today we have Natalie and she's going to talk about uh, copywriting, mindfulness in between other subjects. So Natalie, how are you today? I'm good, thank I know you. between terms it's not easy, <laughs> it's not always easy. No. <laughs> so right from the top, uh, if you would have three essential items, what would it be? So the first one would probably be my journal. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't like going very far without having something to write in. Okay. Um, helps me process what I'm thinking and feeling, mm -hmm. and also because I use that material later for uh, what I write about in okay. my podcast and stuff. So yeah, very important. Okay. Um, any book or audio talk about meditation, mm -hmm. uh, which I go to frequently to kind of ground me um, even though I've been doing it a long time and studying it a long mm -hmm. time I you know we all forget what we're supposed to be doing exactly um, so mm -hmm. uh, so yeah either a book or a, or a teaching that I would listen to mm -hmm. um, does my dog count as an item <laughs> if you'd like to <laughs> most of the time I don't ask as if an item but oh. uh, I need it at some point to to focus it much more okay because it's something of course essential to you yeah <laughs> so yeah definitely can, yeah. my dog yeah. uh, he reminds me of what's important and he reminds me how to be kind absolutely. and uh and to be present mm -hmm. as well absolutely yeah. absolutely it's a great point <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, where are you from? Where did you grow up? I grew up here. I okay. grew up uh, about half an hour I, I, in Dunrobin, okay. which is about half an hour from Ottawa. Okay. Uh, mostly. I, I Earlier years I was in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, I lived on a horse farm, mm -hmm. uh, 50 acres. Yeah. Uh, it was very beautiful mm -hmm. and very difficult. Uh, as a kid to be somewhere that far away. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because there is not that much population, I no. guess. <laughs> and much less then than there is now. Yeah, of course. So, Even now, it's not yeah. still a populated place. Yeah. <laughs> and what is your main occupation? Um, I would say a writer. So okay. I, I do copywriting, but also I write my own podcast and I produce yes, that. And um, so I would, if I had to blanket, I would say writer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what, what led you to that? What, what gets you into writing and copywriting, as you mentioned at some point? Um, well, I, I wrote, I've been writing since I was, you know, 10. I just, mm -hmm. I always wrote. It was kind of my way of understanding the world, I think, mm -hmm. and it, it was a safe place for me because I um, didn't have a lot of safe places as mm -hmm. a kid. So I did it. I never thought anything of it. Um, I studied photography and psychology in university. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you didn't. Why didn't you go into writing or? I just, uh, just never occurred to me. Okay. It was not. It was not something I ever thought about doing as a. Okay, career. because it was natural. So you yeah. something that you just love, but yeah, going like okay. breathing. Okay, yeah, yeah basically, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, after I graduated, I, I traveled for a bit and then I um, uh, decided I wanted to go into journalism. 9-11 had mm -hmm. just happened, so okay. I decided, okay, um, and I want to use this writing thing to, be, to do something practical, because mm -hmm. I felt like I had to be practical yeah, if I wanted course. to be useful. Okay. So, um, 
So I moved to Montreal. Mm -hmm. I did not get accepted into journalism school. Okay. Uh, I started worked my way into working into t in television, private okay. television, mm -hmm. and then eventually uh, working as a, I was freelancing, and mm -hmm. then I working at the CBC, mm -hmm. um, and then from there, uh, more television, script writing, radio, mm -hmm. uh, and then, and then eventually worked my way into copywriting. It all, it all kind of overlapped. Yeah, of course, of yeah. course. And, and about copywriting, what exactly uh, attracted you to copywriting? Because it's something like much more precise, you know, than writing in general. I mean, honestly, it's a practical way to earn a living as a writer. Mm -hmm. Journalism, uh, as you know, is a dying well, breed, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, working in Montreal as an English journalist was like... Yeah, you know, <laughs> I understand. Um, <laughs> I said it to uh, Sherbrooke, uh, like oh, the yes, yeah, University yeah. of Sherbrooke, so it's close. And yeah. uh, I know how, they like the, if you're Anglo, Anglo in Quebec in general, yeah, uh, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was kind of... The options were not available to me that mm -hmm. I wanted. I also am not by nature an ambulance chasing type mm -hmm. of person, of so I don't like getting in people's faces. Yes. And so that mm -hmm. I love long form journalism, mm -hmm. feature journalism, but mm -hmm. not the sort of daily news stuff. Yes, exactly. Um, so it just kind of happened. Mm -hmm. People would start asking me to write stuff for mm -hmm. them, and I, I mean, I love a lot of things about it. I love the. I love helping someone deliver their message. Of so I, I work for a lot of businesses mm -hmm. and entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So they have a tone of voice that they want to they want to put forward and they have a message and they don't know how to do of that. Of course, of course. So I really enjoy that role. Mm -hmm. um, it's a good challenge. I learn mm -hmm. about a lot of things, which mm -hmm. is similar to being a journalist. Yeah, exactly. Learning exactly. about, you know, law and mm -hmm. uh, cybersecurity yeah. and just all kinds of different subjects. Different fields at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it gives me a lot of freedom. Of course. I don't have to be in one place. I can work from home. Of course. Um, it's really not, it's never boring. Mm -hmm. Never, of course. <laughs> you always keep learning. And that's one of the things I particularly, personally like like about translating. Yeah. In, in a sense that every day I learn about a lot of fields at the same time. The fields that maybe didn't attract me at first and something like yeah. that. And at some point I just find myself looking for them like afterwards yes. and something like that looking for more information because i found uh, something interesting and it's one of the reasons i think uh, of this podcast at some point because i had all those uh, informations oh, okay. and all about even social issues the mindfulness at some point uh, struck me because of the uh, the well-being in general yeah. of um, uh, rather in the government or anywhere else in workplaces yeah. and those are one of the stuff that uh, attracted me much more yeah. uh, and had that uh, social impact and okay. it kind of eases the way to to um, to being together like a community yes. and that's why I much more um, focus in peop uh, on people in Ottawa to get their perspective much more because it's we have we all have that uh, town that we share yes. and in the sense that in uh, people like you personally uh, can have that bigger impact as you mentioned earlier, the fact that writing was helping you understand the world yeah. and how you see it and that exactly, uh, personally, it have already that, that impact of, uh, you know, uh, being more mindful in my writing mm -hmm. and in the things that we all do in the daily and, you know, at some point you just uh, need to be much more mindful of, about it rather than just taking it as a job or as something that you are getting paid off, you know, you exactly. don't, you don't really have the same um, uh, relationship to that than just 
doing it on your own. As you said, that writing attracted you personally, yeah. rather than being something that you you pushed to. Right. So, um, and so mindfulness. Yes. What was the first contact? How did it happen? I I think I don't honestly remember what the very first contact was. I mean, I I was interested in again as a teenager before you know before anyone was doing it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I and I, was, I had a lot of anxiety in my twenties, and I I guess was reading about it and sort of practicing it, you know, unofficially or uh, not really knowing what I was doing. Um, I did. I started official like I started practicing regularly in two thousand and seven, and I did my first retreat in two thousand and eight. And I guess that would be my real introduction into where it. was it the retreat? The retreat? Mm -hmm. Not far from here. It was okay. in uh, Wakefield. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, what what struck you especially with mindfulness? Uh, how do how do you how do you first like define uh, mindfulness? And from there. So I actually try to not use the word mindfulness as often because of um, it's gotten a little bit skewed. Um, uh, they say that that meditation mm -hmm. um, has two wings: mindfulness and compassion. Of course. And there's a lot of focus right now on mindfulness, yeah, mindfulness in yeah. our culture. Um, but without compassion, mindfulness exactly. is, is useless. Basically useless, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, what was the question? Mm. Uh, <laughs> how, uh, the mindfulness, how, how do you define it? Yeah. So that you, you can help okay. people. Um, I define it as, as paying attention <laughs> and being in the present <laughs> and learning not to believe uh, my thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, thoughts are a little tricky. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. So, uh, uh, what was your, let's say, implementation of mindfulness? As you mentioned at some point that you went to treats, uh, retreats, yeah. and um, and and you probably do meditation. Yeah. And so those are your daily implementation of mindfulness, I guess. Yeah, uh, and I teach it. Okay, and of course so that yeah, helps yeah. me. That keeps me on my feet. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. So, what was the first thing that you? Well, done uh, with the mindfulness. Was it meditation? What did attract you first? With apart was, from, as you say, um, it was because I really struggled with anxiety. It was learning to accept myself. Mm -hmm. It was about learning to accept myself and accept my life, and not feel like I was doing everything wrong, mm -hmm. which is kind of how I was always thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was learning how to. I mean, really, it was about love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and. Seeing past what I was being fed mm -hmm. by, by society, mm -hmm. and that's one of the issues too. I think nowadays about information, we kind of have way too much information, yes. and most of us don't know what to do with that's them right. because you know uh, it's all in the social media, yeah. it's all on TVs and stuff like that. And we we are now in time of fake news, yeah. <laughs> and you probably know much more about uh, how any news basically can be tricked to. Yes for certain gains and um, I guess in a certain sense uh, while doing copywriting and being mindful of whatever you're doing. Do you feel that there is a pressure in how you convey the information in copywriting or uh, even in your podcast, <laughs> like a certain sense of responsibility? Yes, mm -hmm. uh, I think that's my choice. I mean, that's not choice, but that's something that comes from me. I, I don't feel comfortable, for example, uh, I won't work for anyone who's doing anything that I don't deem to be of ethical. Mm -hmm. um, my own writing and my podcasting is really about kind of similar to what you said. Mm -hmm. It's about being honest and being truthful because I feel as though right now a lot of the information that's out there is 
not, even if it's not fake news, it's not real. Exactly. Um, Instagram is not real. Mm -hmm. Social media is not real. And so everybody is caught up with this idea of what life is supposed to look like, mm -hmm. and nobody's talking to each other exactly. about what's really happening. Mm -hmm. So that, to me, as a writer, is is why I write. Mm -hmm. is, is, and, and it's not like some big, you know, yeah. battle cry. Mm -hmm. It's what I need as a person. Mm -hmm. So it's what I try and give to others. Of course, of course. And as, as you showed, it, it's uh, your personal choice. And that's one of the things, too, like in general, that uh, people kind of kind of hide behind what the majority of yeah. people are doing or how they see life to be yeah. as I said and each of us needs our own view of life yeah. and maybe uh, work towards that or work according to those uh, values That's right. and um, and what is the main theme of your podcast if you can talk it's about, about being it's a storytelling podcast mm -hmm. so it's it's um It's very edited and very, uh, you know, that's why it's taking me so long. Mm -hmm. um, it's about being single. Okay. So um, when I was, I got divorced when I was, uh, well, I got separated from my ex-husband when I was about 37. Mm -hmm. And I realized, and I started traveling. Mm -hmm. I traveled for two and a half years. Okay. And I realized I did not know how to be alone. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize how focused our culture is on couplehood mm -hmm. rather than and not so that there's anything wrong with yeah, couplehood but mm -hmm. rather than uh, celebrating Individual. what happens when you're alone which is mm -hmm. can be very important of in course. your life you can of learn course. a lot about mm -hmm. yourself and really learn to love yourself mm -hmm. so i no one was talking about it really so mm -hmm. i started talking about it so it's my own story and then i i i have other people's stories mm -hmm. Um, as well. Okay, okay. Yeah. Most of the time, only when you were alone that you discover yourself yes, better. Yeah. Because when you were alone, I, well, I feel like that. That, in a sense, uh, there is not the judgment, it, yeah. positive or negative, but it has that effect on us, uh, on our choices in, uh, at yes, some point. Yes. Because it's not that you are totally close in your own bulb that you don't see anyone else and so, but that you know yourself better. The choices that you that you're taking at all points. Or your own, yes. but not the other person That's in front right. of you, That's or right. the society, or whatever they want. <laughs> Because yeah. in the end of the day, it's each of us, our own individual. That's <laughs> right. And if you weren't encouraged to be that as a child, which some people weren't, you don't, you don't, you kind of keep looking for people who are not on purpose, but subconsciously that you're trying to mold into their life, mm -hmm. rather than deciding. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. This is how I want to live, mm -hmm. and find someone I can walk next to. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was doing. I didn't mm -hmm. know how to just be me. Mm -hmm. It's cliche, but yes, of course, yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and it takes us to the uh, social issues, as yeah. I said at some point. Uh, <laughs> I volunteered in Montreal when I lived in Montreal for 60 Million Girls, which is an organization that um, funds education for girls mm -hmm. in developing countries. Mm -hmm. uh, and through that experience, really began to understand, I think it is one of the most important issues there is mm -hmm. in terms of changing the way the planet is of going. Of course, of course. Um, and through that I, and I went to Uganda and I volunteered with one of their partner organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, was really uh, very life-changing. Was it part of your two years yeah. uh, traveling? Okay. Yeah, it was, okay. that's how I started. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe though that in terms of social issues, all social issues, the problem that's happening, in my humble opinion, mm -hmm. is that in the West, in, in this part of the world, we're very isolated, we don't talk to each other, we're not honest with each other, and everybody is, is there's a sort of operating, everyone's operating from a place of um, 
scarcity of mm-hmm. fear. I don't mean scarcity necessarily of resources. I mean scarcity of love. Okay. And I think people are afraid, and so everyone is living in their little house with their family, being very stressed out because we're not living in community. And so my, so really fundamentally, my issue is, is actually about community. And I think that we need more community, which is why I love the name of your show. Um, we need to be talking to each other, and we need to be learning how to be compassionate to ourselves so that we can com- be compassionate to each other, and there, from there, fixing fixing, helping the problems that are happening in the rest of the world. Because right now, I just feel like there's a big yeah. wall, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that we're, everyone here is so stressed out and freaked out, they mm-hmm. don't have the energy to look outside their own life and go, oh my god, wow, I could do so much for whoever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's one of the issues, I think, uh, not, a, not a while ago, uh, in England, they created a whole ministry of loneliness. Because really? yes, they did. <laughs> and uh, this this uh, this week, I think they were talking about uh, in the in the national about how lonely right now people are getting. And as you were saying, the thing is that the community they do it is of course we see all those millions of people around. But is there a coming together? But being real in a sense, yes. that's what I mean uh, yes. with, with community. Is that we can all come, we all come with our ideas and stuff. But being real is that. The community starts with your neighbor. Yeah. If you don't even talk to your neighbor, That's if you right. don't talk to the people that are around you first, how can you even reach much further than that? How can you right. even try to change, uh, change literally the world? Because. Uh, that's uh, I, I feel the power that we each each of us have our utopia if you can call it that when you share you can have other people that share the same ideas yes. as you right. and once we come with all of us with all those ideas we can realize something that's as you right. said you were from Canada you know you went to Uganda <laughs> to change something else yeah. you know and it has the big impact in those people right. and you're still living here yeah. you might have reports and stuff uh, of Uh, whatever you achieved there mm-hmm. and how it's still going on you know mm-hmm. and it, it still have impact in those people yes. this is all part of the the my village that we can all come together get definitions get frameworks and have ideas about solutions yeah. because it's not just the government or the people that are there no. that have the, the solutions uh-huh. they're working for the people for the community yeah. but the community need to voice more and more what yes. they think about yeah. those solutions that the government or any single government is taking in their names <laughs> exactly yeah yeah exactly So, one event that had the big impact in your life, what would it be? So the event that, so this is a little a bit of a downer, but anyway, <laughs> when I was traveling in 2005, I was traveling in Greece and I was sexually assaulted. <laughs> um, and I went public, I went to the authorities, I went public about it, and, um, and when the rapist was caught, um, there was multiple trials, it was a whole big giant mess. <laughs> Um, and this was before Me Too, um, so there was still a lot of stigma. It was really actually quite interesting to watch how things have changed. Of course. Um, you know, I came out and I did not, and, and this is not like poor me or, you know, it's, but, but I did not receive the support that people are getting now. So there was a lot of, um, I was, uh, you know, trolled and attacked and quoted out of context. Um, and after I went, I went to Greece for one of the trials which was postponed. Um, eventually there was a trial, but um, I, I really think, I had I don't think I had processed what had happened until then, so it was five years later, and I had a big breakdown, and I realized 
that I, I mean, I realized through therapy that I had been blaming myself. Mm -hmm. And again, um, and a lot of other people around me, you know, they didn't necessarily blame me, but there's still a lot of victim, mm -hmm. that victim mentality. Mm -hmm. People just didn't think the way they do now, of course. which is only, you know, it was only, what, eight years before me yes. too. Mm -hmm. um, so it took a lot of time and a lot of uh, understanding for me to stop blaming myself. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that the whole experience, what the whole experience taught me um, was, was to, you know, is to, to, to always stand up for people mm -hmm. who have had that kind of experience mm -hmm. um, and to never pin the blame on the survivor mm -hmm. um, and to just, I mean, it just, it gave me a lot of um, fire for when Me Too did happen mm -hmm. to really, um, to really go in and go into that with guns blazing. And I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people who were mm -hmm. still not understanding what was going on. You know, if a, if a woman is cut down in a, in a, in a conference, why doesn't she just walk out? Mm -hmm. And I, it was like, I had this kind of experience behind me already to be able to say, well, this is why, mm -hmm. um, and really say it with conviction and feel like, um, feel how important that cause was and, mm -hmm. it, and it is continues of to course. be. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say that's, uh, I mean, it's an unfortunate mm -hmm. event, but it's probably the one that has the biggest mm -hmm. impact. And how did you um, react, let's say, the first time you heard about the Me Too movement in general and their work in the media? Because we all saw it yeah. at some point in the social media. Most yeah. didn't realize no. what it was really and what was happening because it's not um, uh, one new uh, happening in the whole history of human no. beings. So why, how is it that at some point the Me Too movement kind of put it in front, I say, of everyone, yeah. the people who knew or the people who never had or never knew anyone that uh, that had that type of experience. How did you react the first time you heard uh, the Me Too movement? I was stunned. Mm -hmm. I, I remember it was Facebook mm -hmm. and everyone was saying Me Too and I was like, what's this? And, and then actually, this is a whole other strange story. Mm -hmm. So when I was in Uganda, I received an email from a woman an American woman who found me because she had been raped by the same man and under okay. under very similar circumstances and mm -hmm. she had never reported it and kind of tried to convince herself it didn't mm -hmm. happen and she found me and she emailed me and we became very good friends mm -hmm. in fact we've written we've worked together mm -hmm. she's a writer also. okay okay um, she uh, posted on Facebook Um, something and then I understood what was going on and I remember where I was sitting and then she and I actually co-wrote a piece that was in the rumpus together about how we met through mm -hmm. this insane terrible thing mm -hmm. and became really good friends mm -hmm. um, so there was a lot of relief there was a lot of the validation mm -hmm. it was validation it was kind of like retroactive validation mm -hmm. that I wish I had had at the mm -hmm. time but of I course. still felt thank God this is happening yes yeah, sure. um, and I just uh, and like I said I was and then you know then there would be a conversation would come up amongst friends mm -hmm. and someone would say something a man would say something unthinkingly mm -hmm. and I you know I I would have the courage to say you know that's not okay of and course. not not in a rude way yes. but just say this look you think about before you open your mouth mm -hmm. it's this isn't funny mm -hmm. uh, I don't I don't that took a long time yes. and I feel so good that All sorts of people are doing that, men mm -hmm. and women mm -hmm. now, are doing that and are feeling safe, mm -hmm. safer, safer yes. to do that. Or mm -hmm. when they're talking to their friends, like the conversation yes. about, you know, why doesn't a woman just walk out of a, con mm -hmm. a, jo a conference mm -hmm. when to be able to say, look, no, you need to It's listen. It's not okay. It's not mm -hmm. okay. It's not how it works. Mm -hmm. um, 
It's like it gave us all strength mm -hmm. that we all needed. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but relief. I think in a global sense of it, even for the Me Too movement, I feel that uh, it has become, as you mentioned, the, the framework for even yeah. the next generation yeah. to know these things are not okay. Right. And and even for the uh, for the people that it did happen to, that they know that it's not only them that it happened. And each of their cases is as essential and as yeah. uh, important and serious right. matter as every other cases. And I feel much more for the next generations to know not only it's not okay, but that they can voice that's it right. too. Yeah. Because that's uh, what I understood in uh, what you were saying, that most of those people, they, not only you feel yourself, you feel judged, but you feel even that you don't have to voice it kind of in a certain way. Because you mentioned that the, the other person didn't no. feel as in reporting it. No. And which is the first step. That's right. And that's right. But mm -hmm. there was so much. I was just thinking about this for some reason the other day. A friend, mm -hmm. an, a friend that I hadn't seen in a long time, I got together with a few years after this had happened. And she told me about it happening to her with one of her uh, working superiors. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I didn't do anything about it because I didn't want to be that girl. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't judge her for that. Mm -hmm. But it's like... That like there's much less chance of that happening now, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and um, how sad mm -hmm. that that it came down to us. I don't want to be that girl mm -hmm. instead of well, he shouldn't have been that guy or they shouldn't have been exactly. that person. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what a what a remarkable and miraculous thing. Mm -hmm. Miraculous. It's mm -hmm. just good. <laughs> in, in fact, <laughs> in fact. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Hopefully we can all learn from these, not only points, but the meeting movement we ended with, that we can all support that the people that we know and the movement in general and other movements too, because the Me Too movement was not the first to tackle uh, this violence no. and, and other uh, type of uh, violence towards even men too, <laughs> because it happened yeah. in, in both sides. Even for the Me Too, I saw some uh, comments and reports of, of people around the world and it's getting more and more and people are actually converting it into their uh, space in the world, yes. into the regions and yeah. translating it right now into the, the local language so that people can know what it's about, to know that globally it's just not okay. Right, and right. And I can be much more thankful that you, you mentioned it, because oh, it's right. not only it's news, but it's something that we, we should all hear about and get much more insight, real insight That's from right. real people that, that know what you're talking about, as you say, because you need to know something before talking about it. That's right. <laughs> That's, That's the right. first step. And, you know, it goes back to earlier what I said about the more we share and the more honest we are, mm -hmm. the easier it is for someone else. This is a, that's a perfect example mm -hmm. of that. You know, you tell your story and that gives somebody, one, even one person, the courage to tell their story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's such a huge difference also between what's happening here with Me Too and what's happening, let's say, in Africa mm -hmm. with Me Too, as you know, and, and where, you know, there's so much shame and mm -hmm. so much stigma mm -hmm. for a young woman or of a course. woman to come forward Culturally that is unthinkable and, mm -hmm. for most of course. and even that's going to start mm -hmm. changing. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I can go on. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please share, subscribe and review. Also, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And until next time, never forget, you're as unique as the universe. Peace be with you.